Have you made the switch to NYX? Millions of women have made the switch to the revolutionary period underwear from NYX. That's K-N-I-X. Period panties from NYX are like no other, making them the number one leak-proof underwear brand in North America. They're comfy, stylish, and absorbent, perfect for period protection from your lightest to your heaviest days. They look, feel, and machine wash just like regular underwear, but feature incognito protection that has you covered. You can shop sizes from extra small to 4XL. Choose from all kinds of colors, prints, and different styles, from bikinis to boy shorts, thongs to high-rise. You've got to try NYX. See why millions are ditching disposable, wasteful period products and have switched to NYX. Go to knix.com and get 15% off with promo code TRY15. That's nix.com promo code TRY15 for 15% off life-changing period underwear. That's knix.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Come on in. I'm Lainey. And I'm Laura Beth. And we are Steel Magnolias. Two sisters who love family, traditions, and all things Southern. We've got plenty of room at our table, so pull up a chair. Hey, Lainey. How you doing? Well, I'm... Doing fine. I'm getting more and more used to all of this technology that I've been forced to do with virtual connections. We have all been forced into a Zoom room, right? Exactly. Like small groups and happy hours and coffee with a friend in the morning. It's all virtual. And of course, you know me, I'm touch driven and love to be face to face, but yeah, even our topic today, we fully intended to host our guest here at the table with us. That feel feels like that would have been a much better setting, but I think it will happen eventually. We, we still wanted to take the opportunity, right. To make use of the time that we had and sit with Peggy. No Stevens, you guys are going to love her and we just can't wait to introduce you to this Kentucky treasure. Yeah, so listen in to our little virtual connect. All right. Well, we have the honor to be sitting with Peggy No Stevens, the author of the new upcoming book, Which Fork Do I Use With My Bourbon? I <laughs> love that. But I will tell you, before this book even came on our radar, Peggy was on our radar Absolutely. because. She is a tried and true trailblazer for women, um, especially in the world of bourbon. She is the world's first female master bourbon taster. So I'm going to say that again. Make sure you all caught that. The world's first female master bourbon taster. And she is the founder of the Bourbon Women Association. Plus, as if that wasn't enough, she is the originator, or one of the originators, of the iconic Kentucky Bourbon Trail. So welcome, Peggy, to the Still Magnolias podcast. Well, thank you. I was so excited when you all reached out to me. I admired you all, actually, 
as well. So this is a perfect match today. Right? It really is. We've got a little nervous energy because we so esteem you. <laughs> um, but Peggy, I wanted to tell you, it was seven years ago this week that I did all the major stops on the Bourbon Trail. Oh, and wonderful. earned myself a t-shirt for that. And that is a true trophy. I will tell you that. It really is. Um, the passport makes it so much fun. It does. And it does. I um, have actually already started my second round. I haven't finished all of the stamps for a second round, but it's such a great trip. It is. And it provides everybody a little soft adventure uh, because you, you, you really get lost a little bit on some of the back roads to the distilleries and oh. you see a lot of Kentucky, you yes. know, um, which is Horse such an added bonus. And, yes. yes. So beautiful. Yes. Well, um, this morning we actually are having a little cocktail <laughs> oh, my kind of girl. Here. We decided on making the porch swing, which is one of oh. many gorgeous recipes in your new book. Well, what do you think? We you like love it. it. Well, I think Good. what's wonderful is I think because this is a little early in the day, it's not quite lunchtime where we're at. And I think in that setting, this was actually a great choice because there's so much fresh squeezed orange juice in this. Correct. Correct. We actually served it in champagne flutes. And, oh, um, lovely. <laughs> I think it works. because it's, it's kind of our bourbon mimosa, if you will. It is. I think you have created, Peggy, a Kentucky um, brunch tradition now at our house via the porch swing. So I love yeah. it. I am honored beyond belief. And, <laughs> you know, I love that you actually put it in kind of a champagne flute because, you know, that's part of what we're trying to say is that we, we're not so prim and proper like the wine folks that we worry about what glassware to use. Um, however you wish to drink bourbon, whatever glass you wish to put it in. That's so great. So fun. Well, um, we, as we mentioned early on, Peggy has a new book out. It's called, which fork do I use with my bourbon? And we had the opportunity to do an advanced reading of it. So I will go ahead and tell you, um, this is on pre-order on Amazon right now. And the book releases the first week of May. So you don't even have to wait very long before you get your hands on this book. But I would describe this as a book that is not just a resource about bourbon, which it is. And we'll talk. It's details. a great one. We'll talk details about that in just a minute. But it's a nice marrying of entertaining actual recipes. So you could even consider this and put it on your cookbook shelf. And then also a bourbon tutorial. So it is a very succinct way to think about entertaining with bourbon. And Peggy, I would love for you to just, um, so that our listeners can get to know you, maybe share a little bit about what made you first fall in love with bourbon. I know you're a Kentucky girl, so I'm sure that had something to do with it. You know, it most certainly did. Uh, you know, my fondest childhood memories were always being at my parents' home, uh, and they were big entertainers as far as always having our relatives, cousins, friends, and family over, whether it be for the holidays or, you know, different parties they would have. And, you know, even growing up, I remember literally the smell of a mm -hmm. um, highball that my mother used to drink or maybe the bourbon in the eggnog at Christmas time. Yeah. And so the decanters even that my father would have on his bar, uh, Jim Beam used to make these beautiful Lennox China uh, decanters, whiskey decanters. 
and they would be on his bar, you know, and adorning it. They're actually fabulous. And I still have a couple today that I've kept from that time period. Uh, so you're right. I did grow up with it. And then, of course, you know, through college and on to my career, um, I, I went into the hotel business and was able to be a catering uh, manager. So I planned, oh, my goodness, I can't even count how many conferences, dinners, conventions, et cetera. And we had to be formally trained um, on all wine and spirits. Okay. So I would say that even though I grew up with the product, I was formally trained, you know, through Hyatt Hotels and then went on to work for a spirits company for 17 years where I really became even more immersed uh, in bourbon. And that's where I became a master bourbon taster. Wow. Well, so you've seen this from various aspects and in, in home and in big events. That's so cool. Well, I really feel like this is a needed book. Um, we actually had a listener named Dana who reached out and she said that she really needed our help with kind of a bourbon 101 class or and or tasting. Um, she was telling us that she works mostly with men and that they'll often get in these conversations where they're talking about bourbon and that she doesn't even feel like she can contribute to the conversation. So she was like, could you guys help uh, help me with this? And this is a perfect resource for her and those like her. Well, you know, I think it is. And that was on purpose um, that we wanted to intertwine quite a few things. You know, yeah. number one was being able to enjoy being a hostess in your own home, <laughs> you know, mm. throwing your party and actually enjoying it. So we included, you know, really my 30 years of doing event planning and invitations and what to think about in your home to be ready for your guests. And then we move you into the beautiful world of bourbon uh, on a very basic level, how to taste it, how to nose it, um, how to look at the color, some very basic cocktails that you can make, whether it would be single glasses or full batch cocktails for parties. And then once she sinks her teeth into the basics, I hope she moves on to what we call our advanced chapter, where we go into food pairings and how to really dissect the flavors of the whiskey. So from soup to nuts and start to finish, if you will, I think that anybody who is a 101 or anybody who is more of an advanced connoisseur of bourbon is going to enjoy the book. I agree 100%. And I feel like there's just so many tried and true tricks in this book um, that are going to help anybody yeah. that picks it up. Yeah, I would say... Well, you know... Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean it. I was going to no, say, I go. took for granted. I really took for granted my training for so many years. And then of course my husband and I adore entertaining. We have uh, even our, what we call our big fat Italian Christmas where we have about 70 people at Christmas. Um, and so, but, but what was so funny is the more I brought women, especially private events for bourbon women into my home and entertain them on the patio, they would ask so many questions like, well, how did you think of that? And why did you use this plate over that plate? And, okay. you know, how did you pair that? It was, it was something I took for granted for years. And so this book really allowed me to just get all of this detail out of my head and onto paper and pass it on to everybody. That is so good. I feel like that's a parallel to even some of the things that we talk about 
as an overview in our podcast here. We have been born and raised here in Nashville, Tennessee, and there is a lot to Southern culture that we just have innately in us that we take for granted that maybe other people don't know. And so with the influx of people moving to the South, there is sort of an education in a friend-to-friend way, like you were saying. Absolutely, People want this um, because it is very appealing, the whole nature of hospitality and how to throw a great party and entertaining. I mean, that's so appealing. So it's not something that we um, lord over people, but it's just so inviting and people want, I think, to know more. And so um, I think that that is a parallel even for us to find common ground with this book as well, is that we we love sharing our know-how with others, whether it be cooking or events that we want to share with people that they need to attend or, or whatever. So um, we have a long list of favorites. And by we, I really mean Lainey. Um, we both read the book. But I had to ask Lainey, can you dwindle down your favorites from the book just a little so we have a succinct conversation? Um, because this definitely is her sweet spot as well. So let's talk some specifics of, from the book about what sure. really resonated with us. So yeah, I had a long list and I've been told to dwindle it down to about three things. So here was some things that really helped me. The okay. flavor descriptors that you use, um, I have done a good bit of bourbon tasting, but I'm still not to the point where those words all roll off my tongue. So the descriptors are so helpful. And I'm wondering if I can even purchase one of those flavor wheels somewhere. Is that something that? Well, actually there, there are different ways of doing flavor wheels, depending on the category of whiskey that you're doing. You know, we listed really good charts in the book. And it's funny you say that because we're starting to, um, wrap our head around packaging those flavor notes so that people can have it almost like a little handbook. Yes. Um, you know, kind of as a sidebar, we just had a conversation about this two weeks ago. It's funny you even mentioned it. Um, and, but you're right, but the, the easiest thing without any handbook, without any paper in front of you, I always tell people not to be intimidated by bourbon and nosing it and feeling like you have to say these beautiful, you know, (laughs) words and semantics of, you know, like coriander and all of these things. All you ever need to do is to think about your kitchen. Yeah. And if you go to your spice rack, you all love to bake. I'm sure many people love to bake. You know, what's on your spice rack? Is there black pepper? Is there cinnamon? You know, is there oregano? And you know those, you know those sensory items. Uh You know, if you go to your kitchen and you open your refrigerator door and you have fresh fruit, you know what an apple smells like and tastes like. You know what a peach might taste like or smell like, or even bananas. So we really have to use our food memory and translate it over to whiskey. And that's why so many people, because the predominant, uh, you know, flavors and nose that people get in a bourbon are usually like vanilla and caramel. And they get that so quickly because they're like, oh, it's sweet. I smell sweet. And then when I have them further define it, well, what kind of sweet? Is it like a dark brown sugar? Is it like a white sugar? And then they start talking about the level of intensity of that sweet. So do you see how this food memory, we all like to eat. I always love to start any seminar I do, uh, especially with food pairings. And I'll say, raise your hand if you like to eat. 
<laughs> and, and, you know, inadvertently everybody raises their hand. I said, well, then if you like to eat, you're going to love doing a food pairing with whiskey and you're going to nail it. That is so good. There is a story you shared just to go along with what you're talking about now in the book about your love for grilled cheese as a child. And <laughs> I wondered Did if you, like you could even just share a little bit about that. Cause what you were describing was you loved grilled cheese, um, but that was just with craft cheese straight from a plastic package. And so talk a That's little bit right. about how that, if that taste of cheese evolved and you're acknowledging how your <laughs> taste of bourbon could then evolve. That's right. Well, you know, when, when you first start drinking bourbon, for example, uh, and you're in, you're a bourbon 101 person and you're not sure about it, the best way you could probably drink that's in a cocktail of some sort because it's an easy way to introduce your bourbon. And then you graduate as you go along because you end up gravitating into a little bit more robust flavor. Then all of a sudden you might start drinking it neat or on the rocks. And that's why I compared it to craft cheese. <laughs> if you think about if you think about when we were kids, you loved your grilled cheese sandwich. I mean, that was something that maybe your mom or dad made for you and you were just fine because those little yellow squares, you, you know, were just golden for you. And then one day somebody introduces you and maybe at a Christmas party or, or a, a different type of cocktail party and you eat Gouda for the first time. You're like, this is cheese. Like this Gouda, it has so much more flavor than my little yellow square. Yeah. You know, I think I would like this. And then all of a sudden you taste maybe a white cheddar or a blue cheese. And you're like, my God, this is the best cheese I've ever had in my life or Gruyere. <laughs> and so over time as adults, you know, from children, our palates evolve and they mature. And that's how bourbon is. You know, you might start out like in a really light bourbon. And then you're going to graduate to maybe a heavier, more robust. Then eventually you might be drinking barrel strength whiskey. And that, I will tell you, just as a little sidebar, all of our bourbon women, when we do any blind tastings, when we do any type of research studies, the women gravitate to the higher proof, spicier, and more robust bourbons. Even when we interview men, we pick higher proof bourbons wow. over men. Wow. Mm -hmm. That is a fun little, that's no, that is very news to me. Yeah. I would not have thought that, but it just, oh yes, it goes to the name of our podcast even, which is Steel Magnolias. There it is does. That, I love it. Yeah. yeah. That Southern uh, strength that is both feminine and strong at the same time. So Correct. I like that. That's right. Well, um, gosh, so many favorites. I love your idea of having stations for instance, mm -hmm. like an old fashioned station. Mm. Um, I am one that's often entertaining as the only hostess. And so I don't want to be exhausted and not enjoy in the moment. So that is so helpful to have things batched or have things as stations where I can still walk around and enjoy my guest. And I thank you for all of the great tips on that. That's so helpful. Well, you know why I love that too, and this was a trick I learned way back um, in being an event planner, is whenever I worked with a hotel on a banquet or whatever, the more we could preset at the table, like presetting a salad or mm. presetting a dessert before they sit down, was less interruption of the yeah. meal. And so that's the concept. And when you take that into your home and you're able to use not just your kitchen, you know how 
everybody lands up in the kitchen, right? Yes. And you're trying to get things out of the the oven and people are talking to you and you're trying to put dishes in the dishwasher. And, you know, so doing stations throughout your house, um, uh, little hors d'oeuvres at a certain area, a cocktail, batch cocktail, you know, to be served on the patio. It spreads your group out at your party. And it frees you up to actually enjoy your guests because everything's preset. Yeah, I would say that is probably a principle that a lot of us Southerners could really use some work on is the enjoyment of our own events. <laughs> yes. There is something well, that is right. just maybe it was instilled in our by our mothers because we saw them scramble around the kitchen. So we just think that's how you host. I don't know what it is, but... There is something that we could all, I think, still learn about enjoying our own events. I know. I think you're right. And, you know, I'm a a certified etiquette consultant, right? And to me, modern day etiquette is to make people feel comfortable in your home. And so you do that when you're actually enjoying your own party. You know, when a hostess is running around stressed out and, uh, you know, they're out of ice and she's freaked out because she doesn't have backup ice to put on the bar and can somebody run out? You know, that's, that's no fun. That's right. Uh, and so, so that's why the more you can have, the more you're relaxed as a hostess and have everything in charge and under control, the more you can enjoy your guests. So good, Peggy. Love it. There is a very, very good resource in this book that I would like to mention as one of my favorites. And it is called the Bourbon Geeks Guide to Vocabulary. Now, this also <laughs> this also appeared by your co-author, Susan's. Um, this appeared in one of her other books as well. Yes. yes. This is so needed. And I would say even um, I, something I would leave out regularly as something to refer back to, just for an in, for instance, it goes exactly yeah. alphabetical in all of these bourbon terms, which can be very intimidating, honestly, for someone that is new to this spirit that they're trying to get their head around what they like. And when people are using words that they don't even know what that translates to, how much harder that is to distill down to what they prefer. But like just as a, for instance, barrel proof right? Bourbon bottle mm-hmm. directly from the barrel without adding water to adjust the proof. That's so helpful, but you got to get reminded of that from time to time. If you're not used to hearing that or seeing that on a label, you're kind of looking at it going, what, what do they mean? I thought they yeah. were all in barrels, you know? So um, really appreciated you guys, including the glossary of terms in this book because- Well, I, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Susan is of course my partner in crime. Uh, not only with the Bourbon Women Association, but she's such a dear friend. And, you know, she has been an author, a bourbon author for years and has written many books. And so we thought, wow, you know, at the end of this, if you are new to bourbon, there's so many terms that you hear, small batch, single barrel, barrel proof, you know, what do they mean? And so, yeah. yeah. And (laughs) so now you can go to the back and she is such a stickler, which I love her for, uh, of putting everything in order. She's German. I'm Italian. So I'm Miss (laughs) Hospitality and she's, she's Miss Dot the I's and Cross the T's. And, you know, so that glossary, man, she, she nailed it. That's so good. Well, Peggy, Laura, Beth, and I both want to hear more details about you getting to take Julia Child on a distillery tour. Oh yeah. That, <laughs> I know that, our listeners will want to hear, hear about that. 
that was really a, a true highlight of my career. Uh, and it was happening during the time that I worked for the Woodford Reserve Distillery. I was one of the um, original employees uh, launching that distillery at the time. So this was back in the 1990s. But what happened essentially is Julia Child founded, uh, which many of you might be um, aware of, the American Institute of Wine and Food. And that was her baby, just like Bourbon Women is my baby. Mm-hmm. And she had chapters all over the United States um, that celebrated good food, good wine. And she was going to start a Kentucky chapter. And inadvertently, I was approached to be on the board uh, for the Kentucky chapter and eventually became the president of the Kentucky chapter of American Institute of Wine and Food. And part of our inauguration, of course, for that association was to have a big event. So where else would we have hosted it but Woodford Reserve Distillery? We tented the entire parking lot. Now, can you imagine getting ready for a party that Julia Child's going to show up to? No, no. Okay. So so I set the stage, right? Uh, And I'm an event planner from way back. You know, I know what I'm doing. And I was, but for her, the grand dame of culinary (laughs) who I've admired, followed, and cherished, you know, for years and years was quite intimidating. And so all this angst and perfection and, you know, making sure what in the world am I going to teach her about (laughs) bourbon? My God, you know, uh, she's a French connoisseur. And so the the anticipation of her arrival was huge, as you can only imagine. But do you know that when she showed up and we had a dinner where we served the most Southern fried chicken with our chef in residence, David Larson, who is still a dear friend of mine, makes the best fried chicken ever. She was over the top Aww. on eating fried chicken and wow. was hand served. We, we brought it in a big basket where she handpicked her own, you know, pieces out of the basket. And she was so incredibly gracious. And then when it came to actually conducting a one-on-one bourbon tasting with Julia Child and wow. taking her around and teaching her, the wor- first words out of my mouth was, you know, oh my gosh, you know, I can't imagine. Um, I, I feel like I'm going to bore you because I, I'm not even sure um, how to go about this because you already know everything. And do you know at 80, I think she was 86 years old. Do you know what she told me? And I, this has stayed with me all my life. She said, Peggy, I'm always learning. Oh, she said, wow. tell me everything. Tell yeah. me everything you know. From the very basic, you know, tell me whatever you know. And I was so struck by that because I was in my 30s, I guess. Um, And I was thinking, here's an 86-year-old woman that says, I'm still learning. So one of my mottos that she's taught me, and now I'm 54, is I'm always learning. Mm. And that's why I always poo-poo, if you will, any snobbery that surrounds bourbon. Absolutely. Because we're all always learning. That's so And she good. was so approachable and just so lovely. And everything we did, it was almost like she had seen it for the first time ever. Um, and that made me feel just wonderful. I have a letter from her as a thank you note um, that, I, that hangs in my kitchen of wow. that inaugural night. And there is a picture, I almost wish, I, I wish I would have sent this to you all. There's a picture of us at the distillery um, at the table that she was seated. Oh, my and, goodness. Yeah. And so I, that's, that's part of my, I guess I consider it a trophy 
almost Absolutely. in the kitchen. We would. I'd have it in my foyer, so make sure everybody sees it. That's right. <laughs> would you oh, mind? That, would you oh, mind after I, our call to share that picture with us? I sure, sure. would love to see that. Okay. Yeah, I, I most certainly will. And one funny tidbit that we actually put in the book, which I, I should mention to your to your audience, is I asked her uh, quite blank, you know because I love food pairings. I'm a foodie, you know, what is your favorite food appetizer, um, at cocktail hour? You know, what do you like to nibble on or serve? So I was expecting some like, you know, Oh, well beef bourguignon on canapes with blah, blah, blah. (laughs) It was goldfish crackers. She said, Oh my God. Had goldfish crackers. And I said, what? Goldfish crackers. She goes, I love goldfish crackers with cocktails. That and is- th- that just showed you how humble. Absolutely. So precious. Well, and, if, mm-hmm. and if she, with all the experience with food she's had, can find fulfillment and joy in goldfish crackers, then I think we should all try it too, because there is something to simplicity for sure. There certainly is. Well, there certainly is. It sounds like for a long time with this Julia Child example or just with your other experience in working for different distilleries and event planning that you have had your eye on the women, right? That that enjoy the spirit or have curiosities around this spirit. And my assumption is that that is really what led you to uh, create the Bourbon Women Association. So could you share a little more about what that group does, why you started it, kind of what they're up to these days? Uh, absolutely. And, you know, for, for those of you who are not familiar with Bourbon Women, uh, you can just go to bourbonwomen.org and I'll tell you even more in depth of what I'm about to say. But for so many years, uh, when I worked in the spirits industry formally, I would always say, why aren't we talking to women? Because I knew being from Kentucky and my friends who adored bourbon and loyal to bourbon. And uh, we, we never marketed to women, you know, the, the target market was technically always kind of the white male between, you know, 21 years old and 50, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And the marketing dollars just were never there for women. So when I started my own company uh, 12 years ago, I, I decided I had had enough of that. And I knew that that market was out there. Now, I may have started my own company, but Bourbon Women was purely just my passion. Mm-hmm. And I went to um, gather some of my girlfriends across Kentucky. We had a focus group uh, that we conducted and said, hey, you know, if we were to start an organization, we didn't even know what it looked like yet. If we were to start an organization that educated women on whiskeys and specifically bourbon and created culinary events and lifestyle events, you know, is that something that would interest you? Well, hands down across the board, everybody was like, sign me up today. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So next year, actually in 2021, we celebrate our 10 year anniversary of the bourbon women association. Our inaugural event was at the governor's mansion here in Kentucky. And I'm hoping to go back to the governor's mansion for our anniversary, but time, time will tell. Time will tell. But in the meantime, um, we have conducted well over 200 events across the United States. We reach thousands of women. Uh, we have formal what we call branches in certain cities like Atlanta, you know, Chicago, Indianapolis, Tennessee. 
that are also conducting events. So it's not just happening in Kentucky. It's happening, uh, we just launched New York, Michigan, Texas. I was supposed to go to Texas before all this virus stuff happened. Um, and so we're, we're talking bourbon to women across the nation. And what has been just so much fun is that the industry has woken up Mm. and realized that, wow, women are the other half of the population. Mm. And they're certainly as passionate about bourbon as the men are. And so now they're coming and supporting us through sponsorships and education and conducting tastings and our annual big event, which I want to invite everybody who's listening, and especially you two ladies, um, Mm -hmm. to our annual Sipposium. That's SIP, Sipposium. And that is held in late August here in Kentucky. And it is an entire weekend of bourbon education through bourbon workshops, culinary events. We go on excursions to distilleries and see the behind the scenes. Uh, we have huge events like cocktail contests and things like that. But more, more than anything, 300 women from at least 20 plus states will all come together for a weekend of fun and education wow. of bourbon. Wow. I really if, want to be there. I was going to say, if, if everyone that's listening could see our body language, we're like melting into our chairs, <laughs> with, like envisioning ourselves there. And it does sound wonderful because it sounds like Lainey that we're bourbon women. Absolutely. This is I our think market. you make the mark. I think we you absolutely. Them. Oh, and you know, just a fun side story. Speaking of uh, what I said, make the mark. Um, when all, all that focus group research was done early on, I went to Bill Samuels, who, of course, you know, is with Maker's Mark, and he is kind of a mentor of mine and and a dear friend. And I sat with him and showed him all this research. And I, he is the savviest marketer I know in the industry. And I knew he'd tell me the truth because he's quite blunt, if you've ever met him. And so I, I sat with him and I said, look, I've got this idea and I, I really feel impassioned about it. And we need to do this. And, and I said, what do you think? Do you think the industry will support us? And he said the most brilliant thing, he said, Peggy, absolutely, we have to start a conversation with women. And that's how he put it, conversation. He didn't say market to them. Mm. He said, let's have a conversation with women. You need to do this. And that also gave me confidence to launch it as well. So we were the first female uh, consumer organization to women. Wow. Well, it... it points back to the example that Lainey was sharing earlier about a listener named Dana, who is, a, a, I wouldn't even consider her a shy person, but in the nature of this arena, she's feeling a little shy towards it. So, you know, uh, an association like this really even just backs her up. Mm-hmm. Oh, for to, sure. To those oh, feelings yes. of, you know, we are part of the conversation. As Peggy said, we're the ones drinking the barrel proof. <laughs> well, and, and think about it too. Think about it too. How much we entertain in our home and how much we go shop for our families. And so all of these things, Dana would be immersed with all these other women who are either in the same boat with her or she will meet highly intelligent, smart, savvy, fun, loving, soft adventure women. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's become the symposium specific specifically, has become almost a badge to wear. And and let me explain what I mean by that. Uh, It's gone on for seven years now, our symposium. Again, every August, at the end of August. And we have mothers bringing their daughters who just turned 21. We have aunts bringing their nieces. (laughs) 
We have uh, girls weekends who this is where they rendezvous every year because that's their weekend away from their husbands and families. You know, so it's almost like this rite of passage <laughs> to come. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and we never expected any of that. We never expected any of that, but that it's become an annual trip now for women. So fun. Sounds like a fun one. Well, Peggy, typically we would be gearing up for the Kentucky Derby on the first Saturday of May. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, gosh. How do you think a September Derby will affect entertaining? Well, you know, um, I think that, and this is why we are holding the symposium conference, um, because we think, at least it's our greatest hope, that by the time August hits, because our symposium is like two weeks before Derby, because uh, Derby will be the first weekend in September, we think everybody hopefully will be in celebratory mood. Yes. That everybody will want to get the heck out of the house and <laughs> have some fun, right? Uh, I don't think anybody has appreciated more than me and uh, how much I miss just going to a nice restaurant and having a great meal, yeah. right? Yeah. And so that's the mode we want to be in. We want to welcome everybody back to entertaining and I think the Derby has held such a cherished tradition that I don't care if we hold it at Christmas. Um, I think, I think people, I think people will come uh, because there's nothing like it. It is a bucket list item for sure. If you've never experienced a Derby, of course, I think I have 28 under my belt um, of of Derbies. And that goes back to even college when I was in the infield, God love me, I snuck (laughs) my whiskey in. Well, we just have to sneak our whiskey into the infield. Um, but I, I just feel like it's going to be okay. Uh, the only thing that I will say is I grow mint on my patio. So my mint is beautiful right now. Mm-hmm. It is really robust because originally Derby would have been right around the corner the first weekend of May. And yes. it is beautiful. And by September and August, it gets a little leggy. Um, and it might dry out a little bit. But you know what? I'm still going to make my juleps. There you go. Well, mine is behind yours. Mine's just, I mean, it's just not real robust yet. So maybe I'll bring you some. Oh, please do. Oh, you know, good idea. Good idea. You're not too far away. Well, do you have any specific favorite derby experiences that you would want to share with us? Oh gosh, my, my very favorite, and this is not entertaining. um, It's more of ceremony. And it has to be, you know, we have, we have a a family box that we have at the Derby. We go every year, my husband, it's like Christmas day for him. You know, he, he grew up on a horse farm in Bourbon County, Kentucky. Um, so, so we're deep, right. Yes. And, and so when the horses come out for the Derby and they kind of parade down through the paddock, you know, onto the track to get in their starting gate position, and they start to sing my old Kentucky home. Mm. Um, that to me, it still brings a tear to my eye. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're from Kentucky or not. You see people arm in arm around each other, swaying back and forth to nobody. Half the people don't know the words, but they're singing anyway. Um, that to me is like such true Kentucky. And I'm so, so very happy that they have kept that as a tradition because it's almost like all these people from all over the world are brought together by one song and everybody's a Kentuckian for the day. Amazing. It is almost a spiritual experience of unity and oneness. Like you were saying, I never get tired of it. Yeah. I never get tired of that. 
Well, we, we have yet to attend, but as you mentioned, it's a bucket list item for many, and it's probably in the, I don't know if it's in your top five, Lainey, but it's in my top oh, five sure. of, of bucket list items, maybe even number one at this point. I've gotten to do a lot of stuff, but this <laughs> We've is... had a lot of derby parties yes. and been to oh, towns, but not for the actual derby. So. Yes. Yeah. Well, now you've got all kinds of ideas because uh, we dedicated an entire chapter uh, to derby entertaining. Yeah. Peggy, do you have other Southern events that you particularly enjoy attending? You've mentioned the symposium from Bourbon Women and the Kentucky Derby. Are there other things that you look forward to either annually or every once in a while? Well, of course, I always love to go to the New Orleans Bourbon Festival, Mm. uh, which is really fun. And normally it's in March. Of course, unfortunately, this March it was postponed. Uh, But that is one that I truly enjoy. Um, because it's probably, gosh, I think they have maybe 3000 people that come to New Orleans and, uh, we do seminars and we enjoy good whiskey together. And of course the restaurants are over the top. You know, I always love exploring, uh, in New Orleans and finding kind of the nook and cranny restaurants, um, that do true Southern cooking and, you know, uh, Cajun and, you know, it's just wonderful. Uh, in Tennessee, one of my favorite places uh, to visit is Blackberry Farm, mm, uh, especially yeah. especially during their July 4th weekend. Uh, there's something pretty magical about sitting, you know, on the hillside uh, and watching the fireworks over the Smoky Mountains. Yeah. Uh, so, so that's something I always kind of look forward to as well. That is wonderful. We have a question that we like to ask people. Um, so I'm going to pose it to you. And I actually um, sent it to you ahead of time because I wanted you to um, just have a moment to think about it. But what do you want people to know about the South? Well, I think that, you know, the first words that I think people connect with are hospitality, right? Mm-hmm. Because so many people say, oh, the South, Southern hospitality, which technically equates pretty much to being nice. But, <laughs> but that's, that is, to me, almost such a generic way of, of expressing what it means to be Southern, mm. right? And so what it means to be Southern in my world is about tradition yeah. and culture, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and that culture is about your respect for the family you grew up with. Uh, I never would have known how to make highballs if my mother didn't teach me or the, the special eggnog recipe, you know, that's been carried down from generation to generation. My husband's grandmother, who was this unbelievable farm cook, um, you know, she cooked for all the farm hands, et cetera. She made this homemade caramel frosting that, because I am homebound, wow. uh, I'm trying to resurrect all these old recipes and I'm on this cooking spree right now. Wow. Um, so making her homemade caramel frosting that did not turn out as well because she had special secrets. She never used measuring cups. She used her hand. So when you say a cup of flour, it's three handfuls, her hand of flour. Wow. Um, and, and that might sound so minutia and detailed, but that's my respect for her yeah. uh, because I, can ne- I could never make it like she does. Uh, and, and those are those very special uh, memories of growing up with tradition and with honor. And that is, 
to me, uh, being stubborn. Mm-hmm. I love that. Well, Peggy, what's the best way for our listeners to connect with you? Oh, goodness. Um, I have a very fancy handle on Instagram, Facebook, <laughs> and Twitter, Peggy No Stevens. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, everybody comes up with these very clever handles and <laughs> mine is just Peggy No Stevens. Uh, my website is Peggy No Stevens. And, uh, and then of course I said the Bourbon Women Association is bourbonwomen.org. Um, and so that is how you can best, I think, keep up with me. And I, and I'm always so appreciative, you know, to meet new women across the U.S. And the very fact that you have Steel Magnolias listening to you, mm-hmm. uh, I love it. You're right up my alley. Well, I would say to our listeners, definitely follow Bourbon Women and Peggy on Facebook and Instagram. Right now they're doing this stay at home series where you're going to learn a lot of great tips on how to enjoy bourbon. So I've enjoyed those very much. I have too. I watched your how how to make a Manhattan the other day, Peggy, and it was very oh, fun. Oh, good, good. Yeah. yeah, that was a Manhattan infusion, and of course, I that mint came from my patio that I was talking <laughs> I about. Uh, and and the I, I think that oh. yes, oh yeah, I just love the cherry note with it. But I think that that's why we feel so important right now, um, or or see the importance right now of staying connected with our members. Um, because, you know, they're all homebound and we're trying to let them enjoy and still give that great education uh, that we promise. Yeah, that's so good. Well, a reminder to everyone that Peggy's book is coming out the first week of May, but you can pre-order it now. So we will put a link in the show notes so that you guys can go ahead and get your copy of that. That would be something so fun to show up to your doorstep while you're spending time at home and maybe even hopefully fingers crossed, closing out our time of quarantine. But um, Peggy, we cannot thank you enough for spending some time with us. I know you've got your hands in a lot of things and it really um, was such an honor to get to share you with our listeners. And we hope that they really feel encouraged to really step outside of their comfort zone and try some bourbon. Absolutely. And believe me, even if they try bourbon two or three times in a row, and they still don't get it, I promise you about two or three times in a row, they're going to enjoy it. (laughs) It does does take practice, as you mentioned. Practice, practice, practice. That's right. Thank Thank you you all for having me. Okay. Now, if that didn't get y'all excited about this book, I don't know what will. I know. So we're going to let you get a chance to get your hands on it with a giveaway. Yes, we're doing a giveaway on Instagram. So if you are not following us already, go to your Instagram account, follow Steel Magnolia's podcast, and we will be posting this very week a chance for you to win a copy signed by Peggy Woo. for her new hardcover book. And it's beautiful. You're going to want it. Um, if you don't I want it, I know, I know. We, we. <laughs> We couldn't uh, sing the praises enough for this. So it's a great book to have on hand. And um, thanks for listening with us. And y'all find the simple joys in today. And we will see you next time. Have you made the switch to NYX? 
Millions of women have made the switch to the revolutionary period underwear from NYX. That's K-N-I-X. Period panties from NYX are like no other, making them the number one leak-proof underwear brand in North America. They're comfy, stylish, and absorbent, perfect for period protection from your lightest to your heaviest days. They look, feel, and machine wash just like regular underwear, but feature incognito protection that has you covered. You can shop sizes from extra small to 4XL. Choose from all kinds of colors, prints, and different styles, from bikinis to boy shorts, thongs to high-rise. You've got to try NYX. See why millions are ditching disposable, wasteful period products and have switched to NYX. Go to knix.com and get 15% off with promo code TRY15. That's nix.com promo code TRY15 for 15% off life-changing period underwear. That's knix.com. Saving money on everything for your next project at Menards. It doesn't matter what job you're up against. Works cordless power tools and lawn equipment have the power for you to get the job done faster and easier. The PowerShare 20-volt batteries run longer on a single charge, and they can be used with other tools. Check out Menards' entire selection of Works cordless power tools and lawn equipment. Plus the weekly flyer today on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. 